This is the new Glarus Brewing Podcast with Dan Carey. My name is Scott May, and today we are without Dan again, um, but we have someone very special in in, uh, in the studio, in, in the little office we use as a studio with me. We have Catherine May. Catherine May is a licensed architect. Uh, she has over 15 years of experience in that field, and she has been a project construction, a project construction manager here at New Glarus for a lot of years, but she also has sort of a distinction of probably being one of the longest tenured employees here at New Glarus, uh, which we will get into uh, during this episode. Um, and she deals with pretty much all things expansion here at New Glarus. Catherine, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? It's good to be here. For uh, I should also share that uh, we are married. You are my husband. We, so we are married. Fun. Uh, my mom told me that I should pretend this is a date, which I thought was funny. Uh, advice. So we shall go with that. Well, you did bring me coffee. I did. So that, that is very nice. You brought me a very lovely cappuccino. Yes. Got to start off right. I'm feeling very comfortable though. Okay, good. <laughs> I, good. I really, I really, really am. Um, and mostly because I, I was, I am really interested in talking to you about the work you do here at the brewery and sort of your history here and the things you've done here at the brewery. Uh, so first off, can you, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, how you first came to do construction management here at the brewery and some of those first projects you were taking on uh, those uh, handful of years ago when you came on? Well, um, I started off uh, working at a firm in Madison. And at the time, I think um, by the time I'd graduated college and was starting my internship, my parents had already built Hilltop or they were very close to finishing Hilltop. So, um, it was unexpected, but they ended up growing very quickly. And even by the time they'd finished Hilltop, uh, they had realized that they needed to add more square footage and other specialty areas. And so they had came to the firm that I worked at and, um, you know, had asked for assistance designing. Uh, and they basically became my, you know, my client, my ongoing client while I was at the firm. And I got to do some other fun things, you know, restaurants and, um, uh, hospitality things and uh, hospitals and offices and etc. But almost consistently, my parents were in some capacity my client, and I was helping them uh, design things like the Wild Fruit Cave and uh, cellar additions and uh, hospitality additions. And uh, the whole time that I was working with them, I would also work with uh, Chick Gladding, who at the time was their kind of construction overseer and project manager. And uh, Chick at the time was, you know, I think maybe turning 70, 72, somewhere in there. So he uh, was a wealth of knowledge. He was excellent to work with. Uh, but I think he, he had his eye on starting to get ready to retire. And so um, it was getting uh, to... I remember there's always the ongoing joke, Chick, Chick retiring every year. Yeah, every year he'd say he was going to retire. Uh, it's just how it is when you're in the field. You just love it so much. But uh, coincidentally, I was also having trouble uh, when I was in the firm because I felt this disconnect between the fact that I was, um, you know, primarily in an office in front of a computer drafting things. And I didn't always a hundred percent understand how these things were actually going to go together. I'd mm -hmm. never seen rebar laid. I'd never seen, you know, how somebody would make timber connections and I would be asked to draft these things and be like, I, I don't really understand what I'm drawing and this is making me uncomfortable. And, um, 
uh, chick said, well, I'm getting ready to retire and, uh, you know, the spot was opening. And so I, um, talked to my parents and, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting having to, you know, work in that capacity for your parents again and, uh, just took the leap. So I left the firm and started at the brewery and I shadowed, uh, chick for about a year on a couple of, uh, projects. And then after that, um, he left, he went to go restore his Porsche and I got to take over as all of the, um, architecture designing and construction overseeing material ordering and things of those capacities since then. So let's talk a little bit about that, that first project, uh, when you were still working at the firm, the wild fruit cave, this is a pretty involved project. First of all, you're, you're designing a building built into a hill. Uh, it, it needs to be highly specialized. It's going to have the wood photos. There's going to be, I'm guessing, piping coming from the main brew hall. There's going to be a giant cool ship. When you were thinking or conceptualizing sort of how this was going to go, what was that process like for you? And and knowing that you know your your mom has a has a very strong design opinion on these things as well. Yeah, it was interesting. I think um, all of us, you know, my parents and myself and kind of the rest of the construction team and project team, we're all kind of trying to feel each other out and figure out where our specialties lie. So in that very first project, um, I think it's changed a lot since then and how how I approach it with projects that I do now. But at the time, um, I... worked off of that strong aesthetic that my uh, mom had set. Um, It's very Germanic, um, very historic, very traditional. And um, a lot of it was her and I working very closely hand in hand. And so like she very strongly wanted a grass roof and she really wanted it to look traditional. She did not want the matter, the modern style one. So there were details of trying to figure out, you know, having a heavy timber um, edge along the roof perimeter and how I would actually get water to run off without that timber rotting and et cetera. Um, And the brewery team is just a wealth of knowledge. I'm never working in a vacuum of things. So I basically see myself as a collector of all these little pieces of knowledge. So my dad, uh, understood exactly what he wanted for the interior space, how things should work, how things should flow. My mom had a strong idea of how she wanted the outside to look. She wanted, um, you know, a glockenspiel tower, um, which, you know, at this modern firm that I was working at trying to tell people I was going to build a glockenspiel tower was always a fun conversation. Uh, Can we get more angles here? Exactly. So it was, uh, it was for me, I just kind of felt like I was the funnel that I was taking these expertise um, of the people around me and funneling them into uh, my trade and into, you know, a language that could be used for, you know, building something. Um, So, and I think that that um, style has kind of changed over time um, as we, me and my parents have kind of found our footing and our trust within each other and where we all work best. So for example, uh, by the time I'd had the wild fruit cave under my belt, I think I'd had a couple more construction projects. I distinctly remember working on the, um, 2016 seller warehouse edition, which Mm -hmm. people always want to talk about the wild fruit cave. Um, it's just such a beautiful building. Um, 
but those projects like the cellar addition uh, and the wastewater treatment, those were my most exciting and memorable ones. And I distinctly remember um, uh, planning the cellar addition and being in a large room with my dad and other uh, project managers. And I had, as an architect, always had the training that you were supposed to um, give all options. You were supposed to kind of give um, maybe opinions about things, Mm -hmm. but kind of say this, this opinion, you know, which direction we want to go is up to you. So let me just give you all the information. Yeah. And you make the decision. I'll, I'll set up like the four manila folders. Yes. You can look through them and you pick A through D. Yes. Yep. I'm I'm just here to, you know, facilitate. I'm a, yeah, you're a facilitator at that point. And that's probably like a lot of what firm work is like. Exactly. And so it was hard to make that transition to being here at the brewery because I remember, you know, in this in this room with all these people, all my peers, and my uh, dad standing up and saying, I like, uh, you know, in a very loud Dan Carey voice. I pay you to tell me what the answer is. You are the expert. I hired you because you are the expert. What am I supposed to do? And I was like, oh God, yeah, okay. So making that transition of, you know, having clients to in a lot of ways, now I am almost, you know, my own client. That's how I I see the brewery. Um, You know, making that transition uh, was kind of awkward for for me, I guess. Yeah. But you, you, you seem to have weathered it well, and you've done a lot of construction projects around here and, and talking about the seller edition, this is one I wanted to, to bring up as well. Cause I do think it's a very, very interesting and underrated building here on, you know, sort of the new glares brewing campus in that, uh, and the exterior. Okay. It's a, it's a giant, you know, barn, right. With, with sheet metal, but inside that are just a myriad of things that need to match up that, that could go, horribly wrong in in so many ways if you're not an exacting type of person and I am such not an exacting type of person that it just it honestly it blows my mind that you can keep all of this stuff in your head so can you explain a little bit what is actually going on like inside of our our fermentation barns because from the outside it just looks like you know it's a simple green barn but inside there are giant tanks and, and tubes and they all need to line up so can you explain a little bit about you know not only the design of that but just the nuts and bolts construction management of something at that scale. Well, I was very lucky because by the time our, um, I'd helped with the second seller when I was at an architecture firm. So I hadn't overseen the construction of it, but I had kind of designed it and understood it. So by the time we got to the third seller edition, um, a lot of things, uh, design aspects of it were such second nature to me. Um, but we were very lucky because Deb uh, had already, my mom had already, set that language and she'd made that hard um, decision of how to get these tanks because they are, let me back up a second. So what is inside our fermentation cellar are these giant, they're like 30 feet tall. They're like eight feet wide, uh, stainless steel insulated tanks. And they sit on, um, you know, these concrete pilasters basically that hold them up in the air so you can work below them. And so they are giant. And and for people who don't understand how freaky big these are, these came into the port of Milwaukee on a ship and it made the news. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) They're very noticeable. So they, um, yeah. So this idea of how do you house something like that and get it to fit within the aesthetics of our community and the language that the brewery has um, architectural language the brewery's already set up. 
that problem solving had already been done by uh, by my mom. So that was wonderful. So I just had to kind of repeat that. But the thing that was so unique about this third seller is um, that it was going to house 16 of these uh, tanks, whereas the previous sellers had housed 12, I believe. And um, it was also the smallest square footage. It by this time we are getting very pressed for space mm-hmm. up here, so it's like the vast the last spot that it can fit. And there are buildings on three existing buildings, uh, or buildings on three sides, and there is a 15 foot cliff on the remaining side, and a sewer line runs underneath it. So, so this is literally like trying to fit that last Jenga piece in to make them all just fall and get the high score, yes. Like- so from um, my perspective, uh, from from a traditional architect, it may not seem very exciting. It's a pre-engineered metal building, kind of shaped like a roof. Um, I did set it on a beautiful um, handset, looks like a traditional stone farm foundation. Um, it has beautiful tile floors on the inside and a ton of stainless steel. So it is very beautiful to uh, behold, but to maybe a traditionally trained architect, um, it could seem kind of boring. Oh, it's just, you know, a metal building, but for me, this is industrial. Yes. For me who, uh, you know, loves construction and the, like you said, trying to get all these pieces to fit together. I was, uh, scared out of my mind and completely jazzed. Like this is just like, how do I get all these little pieces to fit together? So, um, all well, I, I quit trying to even pack the car for vacation. Yeah. You just do it better. <laughs> so um, it's uh, the key to the success for that and the key to the success for all of my projects. And actually, most of the things we do at the brewery is that it was very team um, team led. So I m- met with all of my contractors, I brought all of them together for kind of a kickoff construction meeting. And I did this relatively early and I had everybody. I had the concrete guys. I had the steel erecting guys. I had the excavation guys, you know, the electricians, I had everybody in a room and, um, was like, you know, how are we going to build this? Cause it was basically like we had to paint ourselves out of a corner at this point at the very edge of that 15 foot cliff wall, there was one small opening with a, you know, a driveway gravel driveway ramp that was like 12 feet wide. Uh, So, you know, how do you pour a footing foundation in that back far away corner uh, with the tank foundations around it and then backfill it and then get the piping in, but then you can't drive over it and then still get the gravel in it. Um, and then, you know, get the, the building steel set up and I'll share, this might be interesting for people. I know you guys usually, um, share an announcement when these podcasts are released with like an image, I'll share images of these tanks in the building. They are literally, literally, cause I designed it this way, an inch away from the walls. So this idea of logistically getting the tanks in and then building the building around it with a crane and not being able to see exactly where you were setting things. It was, um, for me, it was very exciting and nerve wracking. I can actually remember, um, you can just hear me. I'm getting so excited. I'm yeah. just rambling. So no, that's um, good. I'm, I'm loving the story. Cause I, I it's bringing back these memories for me of when you were doing this and I'm just like, my heart's going. So I'm like, 
Because like we said before, these buildings came on, on ships. They came from Germany and they're, they're stainless. So you got just like a li- very little bit of space. You do not want to be the person who dings this thing. No. And I remember um, actually having very, uh, oh, it was so, it was actually kind of embarrassing. Um, but these like very large discussions with um, not only my team, my fellow project management teams, but the concrete guys, I would be out there and I, I would start on one end and I'd have to um, measure the, the tank feet foundation you know, for 16 of them, they have four feet each as they extend all the way across the site. And I was trying to explain to people as I'm getting my tape measure out and I'm measuring to the one thirty seconds of things, which is, you know, way below what a normal uh, construction tolerance would be. Nobody's going to care if you're off by one thirty seconds for most things. But I was trying to explain, trying to explain, no, you guys don't get it. One thirty second here, add it to one thirty second there, and then add it to this one, and then multiply it by this. That means that means we're going to be off by like three fourths of an inch, and then it's not going to freaking fit, you guys. Like you just, <laughs> we just got to make this perfect. So um, this, sh- this is like really funny because like in talking to your dad about like beer recipes and, and things like that, and like his quest for the perfect pilsner and all that, it's the same exact thing. It's like you get into these stories with him, he goes. Okay, you don't really have to do this, but if you want it to be perfect, this is what you have to do. Well, it of course was my nightmare that I would have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and team and their, you know, construction team and my team and the breweries waiting for it to get done because they have they have beer to brew. You know, we're not just doing this for fun. Oh yeah, it's like live brew days and we have a schedule and this is a pain in the butt. And then to be like, oh guys, I screwed it up. Like this is not going to work. We're three fourths of an inch off. Yeah. Run it back. Yeah. So, um, I remember, oh, one time we had gotten this, the steel, um, up. We had, we have wonderful steel erecting team. They had, uh, gotten this, the steel up. And like I had said, we kind of had to build around it. So I think I had maybe like three walls up and some shoring and I had to have one wall open and it didn't have the roof on. It didn't have walls on yet because again, I had to get these tanks in and then I was going to set the tanks and build the building around it. So the buildings, you know, kind of it's, it's, it's solid, but it's, it looks scary to me from the outside. And it's this temporary point where the next day the tanks were coming and a tornado came and uh, it was, you know, for our area, we're so hilly. It, it, it usually ends up not being too terrible, but I remember us all being in the basement and, um, you know, people are, it's, it's nuclearist. We all know each other. And so we're all kind of in the basement talking. I'm just in the corner, like, "Eh, it's gonna, (laughs) this deal is going to fall through and it's going to hit seller number two. And this is the worst thing ever. It's going to be the one tornado that comes down into the valley. I shall be known for this forever, (laughs) which, um, is probably uh, my traumatic experience because the first week that I was the he- first week that I was officially a project manager here at the brewery, the um, roof got ripped off our bell tower up here at Hilltop. Well, yeah, and that was one of your uh, also one of your first projects too when you were still sort of at the the firm at that yes, point, is yeah, uh, the redesigning hospitality. the hospitality suite and. Um, and doing the whole like uh, new beer depot yes. down, down. And if you haven't been here, it's absolutely gorgeous with, uh, you know, just giant wooden beams and the, the entrance is this great steepled roof and it's got a huge bell tower. 
And then, yes, uh, the wind came and just... Yeah, well, we found out later um, that uh, the hurricane straps, which are, if you see them, they look like nothing exciting. They're just a thin little piece of metal, but they are very important, um, were omitted. And so an extreme uh, wind came and just completely ripped the roof off. And luckily, um, we hadn't opened yet, so there was nobody in the parking lot, and it just went flying into the parking lot. And so, yeah, that was my, um, my first uh, week here. Um, and I think that's kind of, that kind of stuff is always stuck with me. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's, an, I, yeah. And it's just one of those things you can't control either. Cause you can, you can, you know, sort of plan it to the detail, but if one guy in the crew leaves out one thing, it's, you know, it's just one of those things that, that happens sometimes. Well, I think that's why I gravitate towards, um, the type of work that I'm doing here. And I have, you know, worked at traditional firms, um, you know, multiple times through my tenure. Um, but I absolutely love being on the site and, um, having my hands, you know, in the dirt and being able to see everything that goes, goes on. So I think the key to my success here at the brewery is because I would have drawn those straps, you know, Mm -hmm. normally, normally there's, you know, an architect and an architect has structural engineers and, you know, uh, lighting consultants and spec consultants and et cetera. And then they hand it off to um, a construction manager or an owner consultant, and then they hire out other people and they all have to kind of come together. And those, uh, those construction consultants may be ordering the material and, um, you know, et cetera, and then trying to get the construction schedule all set and who orders the equipment and putting it up and, um, then it gets handed back to the owner and all of those pieces are now within my realm. So yeah, I, so, so, so like for an architect at a traditional firm, you, you know, you're basically like a, a large brewery who sends their beer out nationwide. You send, you do the drawings, you send to the client and then there's 50 different people. They can put their handprints on it. They can tweak a little thing that's just like, well, why don't we do it just a little bit like this? But you've worked yourself into a situation where you can draw the thing and then control sort of every aspect of that of that build out and, and really took the time to get that knowledge and how to do that. Yeah. And it's wonderful because one of the things that we are so fortunate for, and again, um, a lot of this is due to the uh, hard work and experience of my parents. By the time I had come along, they had already had, you know, Hilltop building and, mm. um, you know, they'd done some kind of smaller additions down here at Hilltop. And so they understand construction. They are very informed uh, clients. And um, so in that way, there's a there's a great shorthand between us. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with a traditional client, you may not understand what their values are. You may not understand what their budget is. Uh, but I know. I know when Deb says she wants that to be her blue, you know, yeah. I, I know what Deb means when she says, make this my, my blue, oh, you yeah. know, we, we or, all know what Deb blue is. Yeah. And I, I know Dan's going to want his drains in a certain way. And mm-hmm. I know that the maintenance team is going to want the gutters attached in a certain way. And there's kind of a shorthand there. So, um, that's very helpful. Another thing that is so helpful is again, the experience, the, the trades that we hire are, so well informed and um we've worked we hire people that are local you know to our community that are in our area they know us they know the brewery and we are repeat clients so 
again, there's a shorthand there. They understand the new Glarus way of doing mm-hmm. things and what I expect. They know my name. I know their name. Um, you know, I know that their kids had a track meet. I can talk to them about it. And so there's that kind of relationship and trust there. And then finally, the team of brewers that we have here uh, for project managers through to brewers to maintenance teams, there is such a strong drive to make things as good as they possibly can be. And so it really is, you know, a passion within people. When I go home, especially when I'm actively working on a construction project, I'm thinking about all those teeny tiny little bolts and stuff that go together. And my team is already thinking of those things. So for example, for the the seller, I had, um, you know, an Mount Everest to climb to get the building built, but be, but that's just one of the small steps after that. It's Tony, uh, you know, who's our maintenance lead and his uh, welding team and the brewers getting the pumps working and, you know, all these little guts and pieces that work on the inside. It's just, we're very fortunate to have such a wonderful team to make sure everything is a success. Well, yeah. And, you know, as we're talking about this stuff and as, you know, we're, we're sort of getting into how you got into the being the project manager or uh, being a project and construction manager and sort of in-house architect here at the, at, at the brewery. And, and fortunately during, uh, you know, uh, for, for your parents, they had a daughter who is sort of an expert in this as they were in need of, of buildings and expansion. Um, but this wasn't your first gig at the brewery. When do you, when is the first time you remember working at the brewery? Uh, well, I, um, I remember a lot by the time we had moved here, I was seven years old and, um, I remember pulling up to the, well, at the time was basically an abandoned armory, um, building. It was a warehouse that was, you know, covered in broken concrete and broken light bulbs and clogged toilets and, you know, stuff that hadn't been tended to for years. And so, um, uh, day one, you know, having a dumpster out front, helping my dad, you know, sweep the floors. Um, I was the smallest one. So by the time the tanks, uh, got sent, you know, our, our, we call this our Riverside, our, our original building, we call our Riverside building. Riverside is, um, doesn't have the height that our Hilltop Brewery has. And so our tanks are sit, you know, parallel as a post up and down. So, um, anyways, I was, uh, the smallest person, nobody else could fit between the tanks. So I was painting the tanks, um, things like that. I'm pretty sure there's still a handprint, my handprint, um, somewhere in the back of the warehouse when they did a warehouse addition for, you know, my hand being in the concrete. So, um, you know, really since day one, I remember this, it's definitely been, you know, it's, it's in my blood. It's, uh, you know, part of my life. Yeah. And one of my favorite uh, stories that you've told me, and uh, I heard your dad recently, recently tell it, I I forget the context in which he was telling it, but um, you were working on the bottling line. And I think it was here at, at Riverside and they don't, you know, they don't have the fancy sort of scan equipment here at Riverside. You kind of, in fact, then you had to like, look and see, was it filled right? What it was ever. Yeah. And you were like reading a book and working the bottling line. So he, Oh uh, no, this was, this would have been like in the nineties. So I'm pretty sure I had like a, whatever, disc man. A disc man. man. Yeah. Disc well, man can, can you tell us a little bit what happened? Well, um, 
I, uh, as my dad tells it, um, you have to watch for the, it's basically a quality control. So when you worked the bottle line, at least back then at Riverside, um, the line ran at, you know, maximum about a hundred bottles a minute. I don't think we ever really got it going that quick when I was here, but, um, it, it was funny because I, back then we had landlines, you know, we didn't have cell phones and et cetera. And my dad would call me early in the morning and before school and say, Oh, you know, so-and-so couldn't make it in to work the line. Can you come work the lines? And I'd have to walk down to Riverside to help work the line before school. And we would uh, rotate positions um, on the line because it could be very, you know, your muscles, you know, constantly bending and doing one task, you could get really remedial. And one of my uh, least favorite positions was the quality control where you visually had to sit there and just watch every bottle go by and be like, Oh, this label is askew or this isn't filled right. Or this is missing a cap or et cetera. And you'd have to pick it off the line. And, um, apparently it was one of my dad's things to test people because again, mm-hmm. you can just look like you're completely phased out, like just watching the bottles go by. Yeah. And, um, he would do it to other people and they would, he, as he tells it, they'd be sitting there looking like intently with their eyes wide open, like watching every bottle go by. And it's just easy to get to the zone. And oh yeah. It's like driving on the highway. You just, yeah. it all just looks the same. Eventually it'd go flying past yeah. them. And you know, dad'd be like, Hey, grab that bottle. Oh, okay. And I, you know, at the time, probably was like 12 or 13 or something like that. So again, I had my disc man on and it was kind of looking off into the distance and looking off to the edge and he would try to catch me and put a bottle on and I'd be looking like the exact opposite direction and grab the bottle off and, you know, put it in the discard pile. Um, so, uh, yeah, but some of my favorite memories of working on the bottle line at that age is remembering things like, you know, again, I'm, 12 ish at the time that I can remember these things. And we used to stack the cases seven high mm-hmm. and, um, I couldn't reach the top. <laughs> so, uh, when that was my time to work at stacking the cases, I would always have to, you know, wait and, uh, stack them off to the side. And yeah. then one of the warehouse guys, you know, would have to come and stack them for me. So those are, <laughs> those are the kind of stories from, uh, yeah, of, of showing my growth, I guess, at the brewery. Yeah. And, and, you know, so you, you moved here from Colorado when you're probably like five or six, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, you know, you grew up in the small town and you sort of grew up as the brewery was sort of growing up. Um, and by the time you were leaving to college, it was sort of hitting its stride by then. Right. Yeah. So it was like firmly established. I think by the time you would have been going to college, spotted cow, probably been out for a year or two or, maybe three years, somewhere in there in the early 2000s. Um, but then you went to go get your architecture degree and, and, and went to Montana. What what was sort of your plan when you were like, all right, I'm heading out, I'm going to Montana, I'm going to study architecture. What in your mind were you envisioning moving forward? Well, I think um, at that time, you know, I was 18, uh, just it's Nuclearis is a beautiful but small town community. We didn't really have the internet, you know, the internet was just kind of coming around back then. So you, there's a new big thing here. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't really understand the big outside world. And, um, I graduated with like, I think 45 people in my class. We have one stop stoplight in town. Um, so I just kind of had this desire to get out. I had, uh, you know, spent my life being known as the, um, the, you know, the brewmasters, daughter and all her family owns the brewery and people would make, you know, some assumptions off of that. And, um, 
I would have to do things like wear a dirndl and serve <laughs> beer, which is not so much fun when you're 16. Yeah, and, I can imagine at 16, that's that's uh, not as as fun as it is when you're 35. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just had this like, I, I just got to get out of here. And so um, my parents, uh, I was very, very lucky. My parents were always very supportive. They, I never remember there being a, you know, you have to take over the brewery and you have to learn these things and you have to come back and mm-hmm. etc. cetera. And um, they it was were all, almost the opposite. Yeah. They were very, very supportive. So um, I said, I wanted to, you know, study, I was very lucky. I said, I wanted to study um, architecture and I found an accredited school and it was in Montana. And, um, I had some family out in Montana. I was born in a small town in Montana and that's where my parents had met. I'd spent a little bit of time out there. So I was like, I'm going to go back and it's just going to be like, you know, open land. Nobody's going to know me and I'm Mm going to go there and kind of do my own thing and, you know, cast my own way. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. I took, um, I took a kind of an advanced, I don't know what you call it, where they kind of squish it down. Normally it takes like seven years to get your master's degree. And yeah. I did it in five years time. And, um, that is absolutely insane to me. And when you've explained <laughs> to me the workload, cause it's not like it's like an accelerated cause it's still architecture. You're still building buildings. You still have to have the working knowledge of that. So it's not like they're like, Oh yeah, we just uh, don't teach foundation pouring. You know what I mean? Like you still do all the stuff. It's just, you decided to take the program that does it faster and you essentially had to study harder and just work all of the time. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it kind of still suited my nature, you know, growing up in the brewery and kind of having that, um, you know, passionate, but fast paced and complex and slightly chaotic life had, you know, always kind of been a part of me. So for, by the time I'd graduated when I was exhausted and people would comment on it. I'd be like, I didn't, I didn't know there wasn't a better way to do it. I didn't, (laughs) no one told me. Yeah. I, you know, cool. That would have been nice. But, um, yeah. So I, uh, was in Bozeman, Montana, uh, for five years and it was, uh, one of the most uncomfortable experiences of my life, but, uh, taught me a lot. It was, um, a lot of, you know, sleeping under my desk. And I always took, um, I was always taking classes even during the summertime and I never really got a a time off. So, um, by the time I had, uh, finished, which I think 300 kids, students started off in the program first year. And I graduated with about 30, Mm -hmm. even a smaller percentage of that, just a handful were women. Uh, so by the time I was done, I, uh, it was about 2008, I think, and nobody was hiring. It was, you know, one of the, re- one of the recessions and I was exhausted and I couldn't find work. And, um, so I came back, uh, to Wisconsin to, um, I was serving beer at the brewery and in a lot of ways it was just kind of a, a healing time for yeah. me. It was nice to, you know, I just, I just got to clean the taps and I got to smile and simple tasks to focus on. Yeah. And, um, I'll just, I'll just do this. And, uh, yeah, here I am. And so as we're sort of talking about this, what's, what's striking me and as you're telling stories about working on the bottling line or when you made the decision, uh, to, to come, uh, work full time as a project manager, 
you know, it, and I'm trying to figure out a way to put this, uh, that essentially what I'm trying to say is you know, the brewery is not just like lousy with carry family members. You know what I mean? They, your, your, your parents don't seem that that doesn't seem to be the factor of, of what there has to be sort of a, sort of a value value add there. Right. So when you were, when you were taking the job to be a project manager, uh, here in oversee construction, was there a little bit of like, okay, I, I got to prove that I can be the one man shop here to really do that value add? Or was that just like, this is what I'm interested in and I know my skill set it, it meets, you know, exceeds the requisite to do this job? It's uh, a hard question for me to answer. I think um, I would, you know, preface at it by saying, I, I don't know if I never really got the sense from my parents that there had to be, you know, a, a value added. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, um, like I said, they were always extremely supportive. They were, again, when I left for school, graduating with 45 people, I think I was one of two kids to went to school out of state, you know, a small community. Um, so it was very nice. And, uh, for them to be sending me and allowing me to go to school out of state, not, you know, trying to guilt me into staying close to home, et cetera. So they're, UW is a nice school. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I never really got that sense from them. However, I do think that the type of um, lifestyle that we had and the childhood that I had 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 just given me that innate sense to want to be of help. You know, if you, my parents worked all, all the time and I have tons of stories of me um, riding the uh, pallet jack around the warehouse like a skateboard um, and using the brewery as my playground because that was the only way that I could see my parents. Oh yeah, they were, they were here. They were here all the time. And so, you know, if I wanted to see them, I, I had to play at the brewery or, or work at the brewery. So, um, but things were always humming. Our house always had a, a hum to it is the way that I'll say it. There was never really a sense of things being, you know, calm, quiet, easygoing. There was always something that had to be done, whether it was something at the brewery or, you know, my mom was always really good about coming home and making us homemade dinners. We would have that, you know, sense of, you know, space where we would come together and then there'd be dishes to done and the grocery shopping and, you know, the, the dishwasher isn't working and, you know, stuff like that. So there is, that sense of things always needing to be accomplished um, and everybody always having to work as a team was something that was a part of me. So when I came here, um, I think initially I was still fighting that idea of me being the brewer's daughter. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to prove that I had capacity to kind of do my own sort of thing. And, um, it's taken me a really long time to kind of get where I am. But initially I just had that strong, like I am here to Mm -hmm. help. I want to be of assistance. You are, you know, you're working 365 days a year, working late at night. Like I'm, I want to be here to, um, you know, share, ease some of that burden and share in that responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. So just as much as like, you know, when I was 16 and got my driver's license, I took over, um, grocery shopping and cooking and stuff like that to kind of help with uh, my parents' load of work. So that was just kind of part of our lifestyle, I guess. Um, So initially there was this discomfort of me feeling like I had something to prove um, Mm -hmm. to my parents, um, to the 
other employees to contractors and, and in a lot of ways to myself, but you know, that's, I think that's something every kid has. Yeah. I don't think that's something it, I might've had more complex version of it, but I think all kids have that. And now I'm, you know, been doing this for 15 years and it's, um, in a lot of ways it's sad it's taking me this long, but only within the last few years have I really started to feel like, you know, um, my footholding, I guess. And that's, and that's a great point you make. And I know this is going to be like wildly off topic for, you know, uh, a podcast focused around beer and brewing, but you know, I, I do think the great secret adults kept from us when we were children is that, uh, they were figuring out their lives until they were like 45. You, You know what I mean? Like they all put on this great front of like, I am put together adult person and I go to work and I do things and life just, you know, is, is humming along smoothly. And it's like, no, inside they all had no idea what they were doing. They just didn't tell us. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think that again is part of the gift of being my daughter's parents. I remember for um, you know when they were when they were hiring me and you know saying, "Is this the type of job that you want? And how should this work?" and etc. And um, I think I said something along the lines of. I just need you to know I'm going to make a mistake and it's probably going to be a really big mistake. Uh, on a long just, enough timeline, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen and it's going to be really bad. And my dad just kind of scoffs like, oh, bleh, I make mistakes all the time. I'm <laughs> shit. He gave me some example of, I think it might've been like a water program or something. I just spent $80,000 on some sort of, it didn't even work. Oh, I make mistakes all the time. It'll be fine. <laughs> Well, it's always good when you have that support and we've, and you know, we've, we've gotten to this on this podcast a lot. And, and what I really dig about what happens here is the, you know, your folks really have built an environment in this place where, you know, team members, everybody has sort of the latitude to expand their role and, and have their ideas heard with the understanding that there's going to be sort of a safety net there of like, look, very rarely are are we going to get into like, this is a fireable offense thing, right? It's all, if it's, if you're putting in good faith effort and you're using your labor to advance this thing, we'll let you, we'll let you take the chance on how you think it, it, it should go uh, moving forward, you know? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate, I have to, I have to say it's been kind of a, uh, it goes, it goes both ways. Cause the biggest thing is that my parents have kind of set up that culture. And again, it's part of their, their mannerisms and part of their, um, you know, big reason for their success is that they are like that. Uh, but I have to say that it is tailored the way that, you know, they, um, hire people and bring people onto the team, um, is very unique. You know, we bring people on for like a three day kind of, trial and everybody kind of gets a say and you get to see how they work in the team. And, um, people are kind of given responsibilities as they, uh, show themselves. So everybody kind of proves their capacity, capacity and their responsibility. Um, and that, that, you know, is rewarded, I guess, over time. And so that's the thing that I think that I am starting to kind of become aware of within myself of, taking that kind of ownership and responsibility and, you know, pride in, um, what I'm doing and allowing it to kind of be shown through my work. You know, I've done, um, uh, like the wastewater treatment is the first building you see when you, uh, you know, you come in a small little hop barn that's down there. Oh, that hop barn is, that hop barn is beautiful. And it, it houses, and I love that it's, it's there to house the antique 
hop harvesters, you know, a whole gamut of projects from little teeny tiny barns to, uh, you know, warehouse additions to tap rooms to everything. Well, and, and you bring up a good point that I wanted to talk about with, um, uh, with how yourself, uh, your dad and your, and your mom, Dan and Deb think about construction of buildings. And it's not always, and very rarely is it like, how do we get from A to B with spending the, you know, how do we slap this up? Right. It's yep. always well thought out, whether that's from a design that's, uh, invokes, uh, people to feel comfortable while they're here. Uh, to all the way to environmental concerns in how the buildings are constructed and utilize their energy. And uh, one of the the interesting tidbits I, I just find fascinating about this uh, brewery is we're a brewery with two wastewater treatment plants that essentially are there to ensure our water's going back, you know, as clean as we, we found it. And, you know, as an architect, you're then tasked with like, one day they just go, we need another wastewater treatment plant. Here you go. How do you, you know, you get that on your plate. What's your, like, what's your first step there? Cause I, I, I gotta believe when you were in architecture school, they weren't going and here's how you lay out a wastewater treatment facility. Well, um, it is, again, this is part of the uniqueness of, um, the brewery. I feel like most people, especially breweries, like they do not add on, they would not have enough work to have a full-time, you know, architect, construction manager, project manager all the time. And it's just, you know, their, their growth. I don't think they ever expected it. So I know when they did the first wastewater treatment plant, I think that, uh, my dad, as my dad has said, like, I thought I'd be in the grave by the time you guys needed another one of these. Yeah, exactly. So, um, in terms of how projects are given to me, they're, uh, usually just kind of passingly. Like I remember the wastewater I was aware of, oh yeah, we need to add wastewater. And I was kind of building it. And then I think my mom might've came into the room or some sort of meeting. Oh, you know, you know what else? We also need a freezer warehouse. Like could, so I remember that summer we did those projects at the same time. And this to me is an insane concept for a building. Like if you would have told me like there's whole buildings that are freezers, I'd say you're, you're a lying liar who lies. Yeah. Of course there's no whole buildings that are just freezers, but we have one here. And it's, I, 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 I think it just blows my mind because a, we use enough fruit that we need a building that's a freezer to hold it all yeah. and B that you built a building that is a freezer. Yeah. But it was, it was just kind of like, Oh yeah. Uh, so while you're doing the wastewater, we also need you to build, you know, like a 75 foot wide freezer warehouse. And I had never done a freezer warehouse. Uh, and I'd also never in my life done a wastewater treatment facility. And I think I was just coming off of the cellar number three that I was discussing before. So by this point I was just like, all right, like, let's just like, I'm, I'm like getting high on the, like this drive to find the most complex solutions to, you know, that kind of like problem solving. Like, yes. God, the world does need people like you. I swear to God, if the world was filled (laughs) with people like me, we'd all be living in grass huts. Like I swear to God we would. Cause I, it just blows my mind that like, cause you say it like that was the, and you got to see it. She has this big smile on her face. Her eyes are twinkling. <laughs> it would fill me with dread to be like, you have to be responsible for all these details. Like, yeah, you need someone else. <laughs> I mean, I probably did have a part of that and I did wake up most days completely petrified. But I, like I said, I just would like, it's a, it's, it's a hum, you know, it's a jazz yeah. to your life, which I appreciated, but the wastewater. Yeah. It was, um, the wastewater and the freezer were both fun to work on. The wastewater, uh, has gosh, how wide is that? It's been a few years now. It's like 
it's 50 by 50 building. It's this tank that holds uh, 250,000 gallons of uh, water in it and has this huge dome on top of it. Um, and then it's housed in this beautiful building um, brick, uh, antique brick on the outside, uh, arch doorways, um, beautiful locally made um, timber beams on the top. And then off to the side, there's um, this gr- kind of garage like white uh, building that houses um, this pump that basically like usually the wastewater when you're done with wastewater um the byproduct is this kind of slushy gross almost you could compare it to kind of manure like mm-hmm. sort of stuff just um, whatever's in yeah. it doesn't get yeah yeah and the trucks would have to come you know it has a larger volume and it would be smelly and the trucks would have to come you know m- more often and they would smell bad every time they had to pump it out and so this new wastewater portion has um like takes the water out of it and just makes like this very fine kind of milly dry uh material so it takes up a lot less volume a lot less waste a lot less trucks it does not smell um and uh it's fed uh fed to cows because it's just you know it's grain yeah. byproduct so those kind of sustainable aspects of it um yeah uh, but same thing for the for the wastewater and in you know how how somebody like me who has no experience with wastewater treatments how do you go apart uh, about building that you know again it's uh a collection of knowledge. So I may be bringing all the, in all the consultants, but we had a wonderful, you know, wastewater specializing team that helped us understand the details of what would be needed. Um, our project, my, our project team here at the brewery are just, uh, wonderful with pumps and, um, you know, understanding how pieces are going to come in and how they're going to fit together and insulating pipes and et cetera. And we have a wonderful, um, team that leads the wastewater maintenance and yeah so all of us come together so I'm, I'm never working in a in a vacuum i may i may be this the spear uh the tip of the spear but there's always a team behind that's kind of driving the spear yeah and the one thing i always find just very impressive um just in knowing you uh these last uh oh, almost 10 years now or no almost 11 I've almost 11 years knowing you almost 10 years married um is how like how facil- how you facilitate the work you do with the others around you. And you touched on it a little bit before, and I know we're starting to run up against it, um, that, you know, you really didn't see yourself doing well just behind a desk, sort of shooting off the do this, do now kind of order, order thing. Like you really are just hand, like when you get invested in the, in the project, you're hands on, you're, you're down there every day. I remember when you were doing wastewater and I remember when you were doing the, the freezer warehouse. Cause you were, you, you were also pregnant with our, our son and I could not get you to get, to stop climbing up on roofs. <laughs> like I literally could not get you to stop climbing up on roofs. I, I even ratted you out to the doctor and she was like, yes. yeah, no, that's not a problem. Yeah. And what did the doctor, I know. I Cause like, I, I'm a very anxious sort. And the doctor was like, well, did you, that is odd, but did you climb roofs before? Well, yes, all the time. Okay. Well, if you did it before you can keep doing it. So I had the doctor's permission. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, um, that was me just being like an anxious sort. It, uh, yeah, I really enjoy being on the site. And I think in initially, you know, coming off of being in an air conditioned space with my nice clean clothes and, you know, being able to listen to my music and organize and take a break and go get coffee and stuff like that, like in a firm, um, that can feel very comfortable. But now I've, I've, 
uh, you know, what do they say? If I've had the bug bite or been the bug or whatever the term is where I've like, now this is my thing. And I remember when I was in the firm, I would pass things off to chick gladding again, you know, the project manager at the time and be like, Oh, thank God I don't have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't fully understand how this is going to get built, but that's your problem, not mine. And here's the drawings and good luck. Um, and yeah, just being so thankful that that was not my job. And now I love it. And I own the, you know, thermal overalls and mm-hmm. the poncho raincoats and the work boots and the hard hats and all that stuff. And yeah, I just, I just love it. But I think that um, being on the site initially was not something that I love, but it was a requirement because I, um, maybe I have trust issues. I don't know, but like I needed to be on site. I was measuring the rebar. Is this space across and is this pier where I wanted it to be? And let me read the spec on the um, plywood that you, you know, that you had brought in and did that dumpster get dumped when I told them to empty it and things like that. And I think that's, um, you know, those are the things that are required for success for such a complex project. And also, um, you know, to feel like I'm doing my parents uh, and the brewery justice. Yeah. And, and, and you, I mean, you obviously are, if you just look around at the buildings you've had your, your hands on and the construction projects you've led up and how successful they've all been. And just as a funny aside to this, it's, it's really funny when you'll organize like a repair person to come to the house, like a plumber or something. And they, they start talking to me about this stuff and they're like, well, you see what I'm going to do here is, and I'm like, it took, it, it maybe took me like, you know, a month of, of being, having these guys come to me and trying to ask me like, like even simple repair stuff. I'm just like, dude, I did not call you. I have no idea what you're talking about. You're going to have to talk to my wife because literally I'm just going to look at you with a blank face because this is not my thing. Well, it has, uh, it's been an interesting mold to fill, to be not only the boss's daughter, which, you know, not all the consultants know when they're there, but to also be a, um, you know, five foot three freckled faced, curly haired, uh, woman on the site. And I, I think in all the years I can remember one, uh, fellow, um, woman being on the site. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, you know, almost always men and, um, uh, yeah, there's, there have been instances like that where, you know, I have to, um, they'll start talking to like, I'll, I'll be taking around maybe a, a male carpenter kind of showing them things and the like, you know, maybe some new electrician will stop me and they'll start talking to, to ask a question, but they'll be talking to the carpenter. They'll be looking the carpenter in the eye yeah. and they'll just be kind of sitting there like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I'll answer. They'll say, oh, okay. And then they'll start asking the carpenter a question again. And then I just, I just try to be honest. Like I stop them and say, look, I know it's really weird. I know I'm just this, like just this small woman just on your site, but you know what? I'm, I'm the architect and I'm the construction manager. So you got to ask me the questions. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm the one who knows <laughs> I have the, I have the stuff in my head and I can tell you the answers. You have to look me in the eye though. Yeah. This, so. this is the base level of respect I'm going to demand from you. Yeah. But I think that's, that's generally how I try to lead my sites. Just, yeah. you know, open, honest, and, um, you know, always being hands-on. Well, I, I do thank you uh, for your time. I know you are busy. Uh, when we do have team members in, I do, uh, you know, and to bring it back to beer, I do like to ask, so you're out and about and you're out for a nice dinner. What, what beer are you, are you looking to get in your glass? 
I um, have, there's this beer that they have not brewed in such a long time. When I'm out and about and I'm like, you know, having a burger or pizza, there's just nothing better to me than two women. Like it just, it's, it's easy, it's approachable, it's complex enough to be interesting, but not overbearing. I just absolutely love that beer. It has a little hint of sweetness to it. It's just so good. Oh, I've been um, banging the gavel in here for two women as the dark horse beer of the I, new Glarus Big Three lineup. So good. So good. But I remember um, uh, the Edel Pills. Um, I think that was my my favorite beer experience, I think, was when you and I had uh, bought our first house here in Nuclearis, and um, the house was a mess. You know, there was, per normal for me, there were tons of things that needed to be repaired, and I think we'd, like, tried to tear down a ceiling that was falling apart and, you know, et cetera, and dumpsters and all that stuff, and we had this sad little yellow yard in the backyard and it was hot hot day and uh you were mowing and i went to the local grocery store and uh got us some edel pills and found like a little small area of shade against our shed that was about to fall down yeah. and just sitting there drinking a edel pills beer uh yeah i can't wait for them to brew that one again me too. And I, I remember that very vividly. And I was taught during the whole process of, of that, you know, over a hundred year old farmhouse that the only instance I would be remotely helpful on a construction site is demolition. Somebody for everything. I can swing a hammer and if it just needs to break something, I'm your man. Kate, I thank you for your time. I really appreciate you coming in and, and spending an hour talking to me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one.